Hi, my name is Tom Alston. I'm the founder and CEO of Aeromarine Tax Professionals. Here on the Winning Pitch Broadcast, I'm going to tell you how it is. I'll be sharing the ins and outs of business management, improving your sales skills, building personal and professional wealth, and balancing it all with your personal and family life, excluding the part about balancing it with your personal life. Don't expect a filter because we're about to rustle some feathers. Have fun. Welcome to this edition of the Winning Pitch Podcast. My, my purpose for doing these podcasts is to give you personal stories from people who are successful in their own right, and you can listen to their stories, and maybe it, it will initiate something in your life so that you become more successful or change your goals or however you want to do that. Today's guest is Sean Channel. I want you to avoid the uh, desire to pronounce it Ch- Chanel because that's not his right name. And uh, Sean, it's your floor. Take it. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, thank you for the introduction. You know, I have to admit to everybody that uh, probably the biggest qualification that I have for being in front of you guys is not based on the success I've had as both a you know, sales trainer as a salesperson. It's really based on the number of times that I have failed. If we want to talk about all the things that don't work, we'd probably need a lot more time than just this episode. <laughs> I knew at an early age that I wanted to get into business without having really any specific focus on what that meant. Uh, so at 19, I started my first business and it was focused on advertising for other small businesses. And frankly, it didn't take long for that business to fail. And the reason was because I wasn't good at selling my idea to other people. So after that failed, I went into real estate and I wasn't good at that either. Uh, (laughs) I sold a couple of houses, but I was barely making enough money just to cover the expenses of advertising and, you know, open houses, et cetera. So I I just still hadn't figured out how to sell stuff. So I tried a brief stint selling cars. Uh, Apparently I'm a slow learner. (laughs) <laughs> and it didn't take long for the dealership to figure out that I wasn't good at that either. So they stuck me on like the low end used car lot with, you know, the cars that were like $2,000. In fact, the only good deal I had during that whole stint was a vehicle that I sold to my uh, aunt. I thought I was giving her a good deal at the time until I saw my commission check and saw how much money we actually made. I mean, obviously I didn't tell her that after the fact. There's no point in causing drama in the family, but <laughs> I just, couldn't figure out how to sell. So, you know, after several years and several failed attempts, my father asked me to go to back to college. So I went and got a degree in economics. And as soon as I was done, I went right back into car sales. I was a little bit better, but I still wasn't good. And I think what I didn't realize at the time is I wasn't doing things in the right order. Uh, I was really focused on my goals and my products and my services. So that failed. I went into door-to-door sales, two and a half years of doing door-to-door, business to business, house to house. Really, probably the best thing I learned at that time was how to deal with rejection. Um, (laughs) Over two and a half years, there was 65,000 no's. Uh, So you combine that with like my dating life and I've had my share and your share of rejection enough to last a couple (laughs) of lifetimes. So I ended up moving into technology sales and that's where things started to click for me. Uh, And I started acquiring clients just at this really rapid pace. And so I just kept refining what I was doing. And within six months, I had, you know, 40, 50 clients that I had just acquired through cold calling. I was selling hundreds of thousands of dollars in technology, computer hardware, and software. 
And I started winning awards and making more money than I'd ever made. And so I did that for a couple of years at a, just a breakneck pace. And they finally asked me to step into a, a sales leadership role and work with other new people to help them do what I was doing. And frankly, I sucked at that. Uh, I, <laughs> I still feel bad. <laughs> Why for did I know where you were going yeah. with that? Remember, well, the I, old P, maybe remember the old Peter principle? Yeah. Promote a guy who's no good anymore and then fire him. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's a different game. Um, yeah. You know, being good at sales does not mean you're good at sales leadership. And I still feel sorry for those first couple teams. You know, I mean, a couple of those guys I've managed to make it work and click for, but for the most part, you know, I just let them down. But I did figure it out eventually. In fact, I got so good at it, they asked me to then train other sales leaders how to do what I was doing. Uh, and so, you know, for the past 15 years or so, I've been working with salespeople and sales leaders to really help them perfect their art and, and grow their business. So, you know, it's, um, it's been an interesting journey. You know, I almost didn't take the first sales leadership role, mostly because I was making too much money and it was a pay cut. But what really kind of drove me to take that next step was I thought back to what it was like when I was doing door to door. And when I was doing door to door, there was seven of us living in this house and it was a rundown part of town. We we're on the end of a dead end street. I mean, all the time we had cars parked in front of the house doing all sorts of uh, illicit and illegal activities. You know, there was rats the size of chihuahuas living in the walls. Uh, at night, you'd hear them running around looking for food. I mean, we could all, between seven of us living in this house, and it was a three-bedroom house, we could barely scrape together enough money to pay rent. Every single person in there was a failed salesperson. So what I figured out was, you know, what I, I came back to was, as I was trying, as I was learning and figuring it out, I was trying to share that with them, but I didn't really know how. And so when I got asked to step in that sales leadership role a couple of years later, I'd moved out and was, you know, living a, a better life, but I knew I owed it to them and, you know, that myself for the 10 years I failed to try and pass that on to other people. The journey, the mission was never going to be about becoming a trainer for salespeople. It was just to get into business, but failing for so many years and then wanting to keep other people from failing, I felt compelled to share what I had learned with other people. And that's what I do today. Okay. So when you went from being a really crappy salesman to becoming a good salesman, what, was, what did you do as far as training or reading or what helped you overcome that inability to sell? So yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of books you know, a lot of books that are still widely used and widely available. Uh, there was training sales. You know, uh, I got worked for a real estate agent. They sent me to a sales course. The car dealer, both car dealerships sent me to sales courses. You know, I read the Challenger sale and I read uh, Spin Selling and, you know, probably a dozen other sales books. I think what the reason that none of those things work for me is I am naturally an introvert. You know, I didn't grow up being outspoken or outgoing. I had a hard time making friends. You know, I had the confidence of a, of a baby bird who didn't know he could fly. Mm -hmm. And so every time I tried to, to launch myself out of the nest, I just fell. Got it. What I think changed that for me was desperation and really trying all the things that I had, the opposite of everything I'd learned. You know, this doesn't work for me. Well, what if I try, you know, something radically different? And through all those little tweaks is where I started to find my own sales methodology, which is what I train today. So it's a kind of a, a mixing pot of various different things, or is it based primarily on experience finding out what hurts when you get a no? 
I mean, I would say there's absolutely uh, things that I was influenced by, right? But yeah, I mean, there's very much a factor in there of these are the things that didn't work for me. So here's something else um, until I just narrowed down something that I could consistently see success at and then consistently teach others to have success at. So and it's something I still tell, find today. Can you tell us what you found when you went from being a lousy salesman? What was the first couple of lessons that you learned and you started to apply? Yeah. And this is going to be a little ironic given the name of your, your show. One of the first things I found that didn't work for me was the traditional elevator pitch. Okay. And you know, you've been in business a long time. I'm guessing that you have given your spill to clients who, you know, shortly after or immediately after, even during that pitch, told you, no, thanks, we're not interested. Yep. And you knew in the back of your head or in the front of your head or somewhere in your bones that they had a need for your product or service, but something that you said just didn't connect with them. Okay. You know, whether it's, you know, one word, and people will say no because of you said the one word that was wrong. People will say no because they don't realize they have a need for your product or service. You know, one of the examples okay. I'll, I'll use when I'm training is, you know, my wife is a, is a, is a good driver. And oftentimes, you know, uh, she's on the road for her own, her own business. And, you know, being the, the good husband I am, I was out helping her not too long ago uh, load up stuff in the trunk. Okay. And so I, you know, was putting stuff in the trunk and one of the books that I was packing for her dropped down to the ground. And I bent down to pick it up and realized that the tires on her car, the tread was gone. In fact, it was so bad that, you know, I mean, you can start to see the, the threads showing yeah. through. And she was getting ready to go on about a 250 mile drive. So, you know, she, had she taken that drive, probably would have ended up on the side of the road with a blown out tire. Right. Well, if someone had said to you, her uh, the day before, hey, do you need new tires? Her answer would have been no. Because even though she had the need for the tires, she didn't realize she had the need for the tires. Right. right? And so once I pointed that out to her, then she knew that she had a tire and we got it fixed before she took her trip. But oftentimes in sales, we're talking to people who have a need, and it can be a pretty drastic need, but they don't quite realize they have that need. Right? Got it. Um, you know, I mean, my wife does have a heavy foot, so it is possible that she burned through that tire in a day or two, but most likely... <laughs> I'm married needed, to one of those too. She's a original hot rider. <laughs> you know, she probably needed tires a month before that. But if, you know, the guy from the local tire shop came to us, she would have said no thanks. And so for me getting away from that traditional elevator pitch made a big difference. In some cases, I wouldn't say I refuse to pitch people, but I'll certainly stop people and say, look, before I waste your time and waste my time, right, can I just ask you a couple of specifics about your business? Right? If there's no need, then why go through even 30 seconds of conversation when let's just find out whether we might even match up. Okay. Awesome. So what else did you discover during that transition? Uh, that... Most people care very little about myself, my company, my product, my services. Um, exactly. What most people care about most is their company, their challenges, their goals, their needs, their wants, you know, their vision, their you know, pain points, all of those things. Um, and if I don't understand those things and help them understand, you know, help them feel like I'm really there to help them accomplish a goal or solve a challenge then we're probably not going to make it far enough down the conversation 
to come to some kind of agreement that we can work together. So by going at the conversation awesome. focused so how on- How do you get that information? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair question. How do I get to that information? Most, I mean, it's really asking questions and it's, you know, asking the right questions. So, um, you know, the name of our training program is, is strategic communication. And it's really about going into every conversation and, and not just sales, but going into every conversation with a, a focus and a plan on how you start that conversation and get it to where you want to end up. And, okay. you know, some of that's suggestive. Um, some of that's just purely, you know, asking questions to understand. But if you know your business and you have a sense of your client's business, you can probably ask the right set of questions to help them come up with the idea that, hey, we have this challenge, we have this goal, we have this want, we have this desire, we have this need, and it's a pretty big deal. So we want to solve it. And once they get to that spot where we want to solve this problem, that's when I start talking about how I can help them. And quite honestly, in some cases, I can't help them. And I would much rather say, I'm not the right fit for you, at least not right now, then try to sell them or convince them a pro, you know, to buy my product or service when it's not what they need. I completely understand my other business is the aviation tax business in California. And there are some people that by the time they call me, they're already, they owe the tax. There's nothing that could be done about it. You know what I always do? I said, I'll take complete responsibility for having such an ineffective marketing program that you didn't know about me beforehand to call me because I could have helped you. And, you know, that's, that disarms people a little bit because they're not used to hearing that. But I actually feel that way because I, w- I would have liked the extra client. I would have liked him not to unjustly enrich the Socialist Republic of California anymore. And, uh, you know, it, it's, I would have liked to fix it. And if I had a time machine to go back, I'd, I'd, I'd have promoted even more. And I also know instinctively that I probably would have missed him anyway because I don't really know what he was looking at while he was thinking about needing that product. And I'm to make your point, I'm not even sure he knew he needed it. Yeah, yeah, you a lot know? of people don't. And I and I love your approach, Thomas. Um, in fact, that's one of the things that I think helped me was the apology. You know, one of the ways that all you know at some point in, the, in most processes along the way. The customer will say, you know, I got to think about it, or I'm not sure if this is right for me, or, you know, I got to talk to my spouse or my partner. And one of the first things I always do is I apologize. Because if you need to think about it, if you're unsure, if you have any doubts or questions or, or any hesitation at all, I did not do a good job. That means I failed you as my potential customer, partner, client, because I didn't explain how we could add that value and help you, right? At the end of the day, if our businesses aren't helping people, then we won't be around. Yeah, and, we will. You know, so I, I love that approach that you just apologize because one, like you said, it's completely disarming, but it's, yeah. it, it's genuine. It's real because if we do what we're supposed to do, our clients won't have waited too long and they won't feel like they, they need to think of it over or any of these things. That's on us to help them realize that they have a resource that can help them avoid these challenges. Uh, so yeah, I, I love think, that approach. I think instinctively, I, that's always been my approach to everything because it's like at one time I was sending out a million to a million and a half emails a month. At, I've done 100,000, 120,000 social posts a month. We make 3,000 phone calls a week. I just I know that if I keep pushing stuff out there and stuff being any different channel that you want to use, 
that I'm going to get some return flow. And it always surprises me when somebody says they don't know about me because <laughs> I mean, history, historically, I know that most emails are not read. Most of the time you're making phone calls, you're leaving messages. Most of the time, damn it, I feel like I'm screaming as loud as I can through every device I've got. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I really genuinely wished that everyone knew about me and my service before they bought an airplane, a vessel, or a vehicle in California, because I know from experience that I've never failed. I've done over 1,700 of these cases, and not one of my clients has ever paid a dime in tax. So I have that, damn, how do I, where do I find them? And I'm actually, I've just recently hired some people who are, say, they're experts, and we're going to we're going to figure that out. And probably what they're going to do is sit down and ask me a lot of questions until I tell them what I already know, but I'm too stupid to recognize it yet. So, I mean, I, I, that's my, my answer to everything is promote, 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 mm-hmm. promote, promote. And, and I, I just, I don't know any other way of doing it. And that's just kind of, you know, it's an innate in me. And, and I, I really don't know where that came from. It's just, I've always done it that way. Well, and it's, I mean, if you look at the top, uh, people in any industry, they're good at self-promoting. Right? Uh, in fact, it's, it's one of the challenges that I've found in training salespeople is you know, we're, we're taught at a really early age to not self-promote, to not brag and to be humble and, and not you know, stand out and all of these things. And so that's one of the things that you really have to do to be a successful marketer, a successful business owner, a successful salesperson, is you have to be comfortable with self-promoting. And it's really a habit a lot of people change, have to, to work to change. And so it's probably one of the reasons for your own success is that you've, you know, you're comfortable in that role because it's really a, a success factor that if you don't have, you're never going to get to that level where people at a mass level understand the value that you bring. You know, and now that you say that, I'm thinking about it and I do know exactly where it came from. I went to 17 different schools before I got out of high school. So I knew one thing. Make friends fast, they're not going to be around long. So that's probably has a little bit to do with it. And no, my dad wasn't in the military. He was a, a project manager for a construction company. And I was also raised Catholic and we, we'd moved to a new town and I couldn't get into the Catholic school. So I'd start in a public school. And then as soon as there was an opening, then he'd move me to Catholic school. So it wasn't unusual for me to go to two or three schools a year. And the cool part about that was I learned how to be a really good, a glib student. I realized how to, how to get good grades without learning anything, which are all bad lessons, not necessarily good lessons. And I applied them in college. I, I, I created a, a goal one day. Of, Let me see if I can get an A in this math class. Never turn any homework and never do any tests. And I accomplished it. And I won't tell you how because I don't want to pass that lesson on to others. But, you know, it's just I, I, I can, I've always been able to figure out how to get around things or how to make things just work. But it's a strength as well as a weakness because I'm not creating any, you know, long-term value. I'm not creating any lasting relationships. And, you know, it, it, I, I'm a survivor. Uh, I, I came from a family of 10. And, you know, if, if, you didn't, if you didn't finish first, you never didn't get any seconds. And, all of those kinds of things. But I'm thinking about, because of what we're talking about, I'm thinking about why am I this loon about promotion? And, you know, I've I've never been someone who, I was never one of the cool guys when I was in school because I was never long there long enough to be a cool guy. And 
when I got into high school, yeah, I went to the same high school every year, except for I got to my senior year because I got kicked out of the Catholic school I was in because I got married because my girlfriend was pregnant. See how that trickled out there? <laughs> you know, you know, you just keep going forward. Keep going for it. Just never, ever give up. And you're not really a failure until you give up. And so I just know lots of ways not to do things. I know less than ideal ways to do things. And as I've gotten a little bit older, I try not to duplicate any of those processes, but it's real easy because it's kind of natural. My mm-hmm. first inclination, well, why don't I just do it this way? I can figure this all out. But it, it's not an ethical way to do things most of the time. So I don't. It, that's the, probably the biggest thing I believe. Well, and you probably, you know, to your point, there's lots of different ways to, to come up with the right answer, right? You know, whether we look at, you know, any of the, you know, sales or any aspect of life. You know, in fact, I think one of the challenges that we see in today's society is we all believe that our way is the right way. And it's kind of like religion. <laughs> very much, right? Um, you know, everyone believes that their way is the only way. When reality is there's lots of ways to get to the, to the you know, answer, to get to, the, to solve the challenge, to solve the problem, to move forward. And I think that while there's lessons that we can pass along and share, there's also a uniqueness to each one of our experiences. And so, you know, you knowing lots of ways to not do stuff as well as maybe the easiest way to do some <laughs> things, right? But that's, if that works for you, then that's probably right for you. And I shouldn't hold that in judgment, you know, whether, you know, at the end of the day, if, if someone else is uh, at a higher level has to pass that judgment along, well, that's between you and them. It's certainly not uh, on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the more that we realize that as individuals, that helps us move forward. And I think the more that we realize that as a uh, society, I think that helps us all point, you know, that become, brings us together and helps us move in a collective direction versus uh, my way is the only way. Well, I certainly know that's not true. I, I, I spent four decades as a high school baseball coach, and I would go to these conventions and I'd learn ways that other coaches do things. And somebody asked me after I was probably halfway through my career, you're a successful coach. Why do you keep going there? I said, I need to know a lot of things. Why? Because every kid has a unique problem. And all I do is I keep making adjustments till I find the one that he connects with in his mind and is willing to do. And then I can help him be a success. As long as I don't continue to learn things, I'm eventually going to run out of answers for him. And that, that will make me a bad coach. And that's the way he'll remember me. And I don't want kids to remember me that way. Yeah. Well, and that says a lot about you. Uh, you know, one, that you believe in being a student. Uh, and, you know, good students typically make the best teachers. Two, that you obviously have this drive to be good at what you do. And that's something that you're probably passing along to those kids as well, is that, you know, there's lots of different ways to do this, but I'm going to continue to perfect my craft no matter how long I've been in this game. Uh, so that's some great stuff that you probably shared with a lot of kids. So walk me through your process. Treat me like a new prospect, okay? And how are you going to interest me in your service? And, and then once we've, I've engaged you, what, what, what can I expect to happen? So again, we focus on sales training, leadership development. I even help some companies build their sales organizations from the ground up. Okay. But if we're having our first meeting, our first conversation, you know, chances are you're going to have a little bit of knowledge about what I do uh, and, and why we're, we're talking, right? Whether that's a phone call, whether that's a face-to-face, Zoom call these days. Yeah. 
this is the best we could do, folks. Yeah. And I think we've all had those clients that are like, you know, you've got three minutes, or you've got five minutes, or, you know, just tell me what it is you do, and, and we'll see if we need you. And again, I, you know, what I say is my company does what most companies don't when it comes to sales. We fix a lot of the problems that traditional sales methodologies have, but it's not for everybody. So instead of taking you down this road and trying to figure out whether it's a good fit for you, are you okay if I just ask you a couple of specifics about your business? Okay. So ask me. Ask, okay. me your, ask me your typical, typical set of questions and I'll come up with some good answers for you. Yeah. So how many salespeople do you guys currently employ? I'm the primary one and I have two other people that are, are typically in training. Typically in training? Mm-hmm. So do you do the training or does somebody else do the training? I have everyone on Cardone U because I believe in Grant Cardone's training segments and, and up until 2016 for the previous 30 years, I just thought I knew it all and did it my way and do it my way or you're fired type of stuff. Huh? Are your salespeople typically uh, very tenured in sales or are they, are they typically newer? No, I have found that because I have such a unique product or service, and I'm answering your questions from the viewpoint of my tax business, yeah. that it, you're, I can't find someone who knows enough about what our service is that they already know. So I, I, I always have to hire people that, I, that are going to have to be willing to be trained. So what's the average tenure of uh, one of your salespeople? Great question. I've never thought about it. Probably six or eight months because they get frustrated because it's hard to learn how to do what we do. Okay. So given that you're constantly having to, to train new, new salespeople and you're using you know, Grant's methodology, which you said works for you, mm-hmm. have you ever looked at um, alternative methods that maybe might fit more in line with a brand new salesperson? That's why I'm talking to you. Fair enough. How much does it impact you financially to have to constantly spend time training and going through and, and working with brand new salespeople all the time? That's a hard question to answer because first place, I love training because I'm naturally someone who likes to engage with people and coach them or teach them. But it's pretty much a pain in the ass. It takes a long time because when you're dealing in, in an arena like I am where I do sales tax stuff, legal stuff, it's experience points. And you, while I have years and years and years of experience. So when somebody asks me a unique question or starts to give me some, some part of their story, I kind of know where to go. And it's hard to train someone without giving them the experience. And I don't, haven't really figured out how to document that kind of experience. Yeah. And you're in the same boat, I think, as a lot of business owners, right? You okay. know your business, right? You, you've perfected how to sell it to others, but now you're trying to replicate that. Yeah. Um, now, you obviously wear many hats as, as the owner. I mean, how much time do you think you're, I don't say wasting, but spending training people when you could either be doing other facets of your business or selling yourself? Probably three to four hours a day. How much money do you think that costs you? A couple hundred thousand dollars. So if you could get someone else to train your sales people with a repeatable, workable sales methodology and for a fraction of that cost, wouldn't that make sense? Yep. So would you be interested in how we could help you? Absolutely. Keep talking. I haven't hung up on you yet. So in a nutshell, that is part of the way that we go through and, and coach and, and work our people, right? You know, to continue down the path, really, now this is where I would talk about our brand, our methodology, right? And the nice thing is by when I'm working with clients, 
typically I use my own methodology. So I'm able to, to help them understand how we get to that, that conversation. Essentially, so what is your methodology? Uh, so again, it's, it's strategic communication. So there's three things that clients care about or potential clients care about. One is, can you help me solve a, a problem, a challenge, right? And the other side of that, and this is where a lot of sales people don't focus on, is don't just focus on their challenges, their pain points. You know, we've all been taught at some point in sales, what, you know, what keeps you up at night? What are your pain points? There are a lot of companies that spend a lot of money, not because they have challenges, but they have goals. Right? Mm-hmm. Preferably, I want to work with the best of the best. And those companies have already figured out what their pain points are and solved them. Now they're trying to figure out how to get to the next level. Right? Got it. And they probably have more money and more opportunity for me than just focusing on the companies that are struggling. Okay. So part of the sales methodology and part of it is, is not just focus on your pain points, but your opportunity. Yeah. Right? One of the other pieces is what uh, I call the butterfly effect. And essentially what I did is I took you down a path where we, we talked about, I asked you some very simple questions, yes or no questions to start off with, either or questions, you know, is it this or this, to get an understanding of where you're at in your company's sales organization. Based off of that, I saw potential challenges or opportunities based off your answers. Okay. Right? So all I did was I picked one and I can come back and we can talk about some of the other ones. Um, we could go down the, the same, you know, different routes, right? But this is what I, again, we call the butterfly, butterfly effect. Easy for that, you to say. <laughs> every, you know, we all think of our businesses of, you know, I need my salespeople to sell more. And most people stop there. What they don't think of is what is the impact of their salespeople not selling more, right? So my goal was to walk you to the point where you went, wow, it's costing me hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to train my own salespeople. Okay. Right? Well, when you recognize and realize that you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, when me and you start talking about how much I might charge to train your salespeople, you're going to be like, well, yeah, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's pennies on the dollar for what your time and effort is costing you. Whereas if I just jumped in and said, hey, we have the sales methodology, it's great, we got this training program, here's how much it costs, we're like, eh, right? Mm-hmm. But I want to wait until we have an agreement that you have a need, right? And not only that you have a need, but you recognize how that need has, how big it is, what the impact of that need is across your business, and mostly how much it's costing you from a financial perspective. So by getting the potential client to come up with his own numbers, now you have something to compare it to, context yeah. and contrast. So. Yeah. And it's not just limited to the numbers. You know, we could talk about your own frustration. We could have gone down the frustration of you having to spend three or four hours a day to invest in somebody for six months, have them walk away, and then you have to start that process over. Right? Well, that's why I gave you that little bit about I like coaching, so it doesn't bother me, yeah. so that you wouldn't go, go there. It, it, you, you, it would have made any difference to me, even though I, from money standpoint, I understand, but I like communicating with people. I like teaching people. I like giving, talking to people and finding out what their opinions are. And then I just keep, I, I operate with people from the viewpoint that they know the answer to everything in the, on the planet, in the universe. And if I just keep asking them questions, they'll f- eventually figure out that they know the answer. And that way, I get them to own the answers. So it's, yep. it's kind of similar to the process that you use. Yeah, it sounds very much so. And I think there's a lot of good salespeople that, that do it. 
you know, I, I'm a, a huge uh, Grant Cardone fan myself. You know, I, I you know, we connected through the, the 10X Challenge recently. Uh, I've been to the 10X Growth Con, subscriber to Cardone U. Big believer. I also believe, though, that Grant has this natural flair, natural ability, and, and that, you know, he may not have always been as good as he is now, but I'm guessing he didn't suck quite that bad or for very long when he first got started. And I think a lot of- He had to get the money from someplace to buy those drugs, didn't he? Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's commonplace with a lot of people who have sales methodologies or who train sales Mm -hmm. is that they were innately good at sales, right? Okay. Personality, you know, maybe a combination of, of luck or the right, you know, knowledge early on in their career. And so their method doesn't always work for people who are not salespeople. And if we're, you know, really looking at sales in a whole, how many people that you're working with, this, this might be their sales for, for sales job. You know, there's no, I didn't go to college to become a salesperson. There's very few people that grow up and go, I want to be in sales. Most of the time it becomes the job that you get because you can't get another job. Mm-hmm. And then you have to try and figure it out. Well, if it's not innately in you and you're trying to learn from someone who is very good at it naturally, it's hard for them to say, here's the five steps that I have to do every single time to go from point A to point Z. So using, Where a baseball, is, using a baseball analogy, Babe Ruth not, doesn't nece- won't necessarily teach, be able to teach people how to hit home runs. Right, yeah. He just does it. If you're just good at it, you don't necessarily have to think about why. Right? In fact, you're probably better off if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That is real true. You just do. Yeah. And so when they're forced to explain how they do it, you, know, you get things like, well, I just build relationships. What does that mean? Right? I'm, I was not good at building relationships. So I had to come up with actual steps, right? I mean, a list of questions that I could ask and when I should ask them and, and what is that path? You know, here's question A. And if they answer yes, I go to question C and I, then I go to question B, right? I had to figure out those paths and those steps because I was not good at it. And if you're innately good at it, you don't have to think through that process. So I think one of the reasons I've been able to help a lot of salespeople is because I'm not, I mean, I'm good at sales now. That's because I follow a strategic plan every time. It's not something that I just off the cuff, sounds differently every conversation. Uh, I make it up as I go. It is all very strategic in my approach. And I can at very least give them a a roadmap that they can choose to follow or not. It gives them that foundation that then they can use and then build upon based off their own experiences, wins, you know, failures, et cetera. So tell me a little bit about your training company. How many, how many employees are there in the company? Is it just uh, you? Is it- me okay. and, 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 and uh, my program manager. So you do uh, all the training yourself? I do, yes. All right. Tell me something else about your company that you don't want people to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's really not anything about my company I don't want people to know. I am in the process right now of creating our first online course. Okay. Um, so we just started down that. We expect to have that online course up and running in the next, say, month. What's um, it called? Uh, it will be called Strategic Communication. It will be, we'll start with a, a mini course um, so you can kind of get your feet wet and understand the methodology, uh, take away some things that you can use in, again, not only your sales career, but your daily life. Uh, and from there, we'll offer a uh, full course. 
How are you constructing this course? Are you using YouTube or using Kajabi? Are you using your iPhone? How are you doing that? Uh, we'll be using Kajabi. Okay. Yeah. Why did you pick Kajabi versus anything else? Mostly because it's an all-in-one solution, right? It's something I can not only host the content on, uh, it can handle our uh, email. We can create uh, you know, sales funnels. We can build out uh, the website from there. Uh, I have a website currently right now, uh, and it's you know, just uh, hyphenlaunch.com. That's really been focused on the podcast uh, that we okay. have. Uh, this is really going to be more focused on the, the training and consulting business. So give our viewers the website address for your training company. Do it right now. That is not live yet, so I will not do that. You can find out about the training program through our podcast website, which is, again, just-launch.com. Okay. All right. Okay. So if you could go back today to – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a tough question. Now, how old are you? Uh, 45. So if you could go back to when you were 21, what would you tell your 21-year-old self? Just keep going. Just That's keep simple, going. Huh? Yeah. Um, here's the thing, Thomas. Uh, I had, uh, my twenties were rough. Uh, I mean, they were a lot of fun, but career wise, <laughs> uh, not so, so promising. You know, my thirties were again, a lot of fun, uh, on a personal career wise, they were good personal wise, uh, not so much, but in the last, you know, five years, the amount of growth I've had, the amount of success I've had, uh, the level of personal happiness I've had, have been amazing. And I, I'm, in, and I'm in, a, in a really fulfilling position in my life with a lot of upside and a lot of good things coming ahead of myself. And I don't believe that I would be here if I went and altered the past. All right. So what and, happened? What happened six years ago that created this five-year-ago event? I mean, I, I hit rock bottom. Um, okay. You know, I left a, a relationship of 12 years uh, that hadn't been good for the last, you know, four or five, even though professionally I was doing okay. You know, I fell apart. You know, I started drinking more than I should have. Um, you know, I, I was in danger of messing up my career. You know, it took a big toll on me emotionally um, and mentally to, to you know, uh, end up in, in a divorce, quite frankly. And that uh, was not something I'd ever saw for myself or was not something I was proud of. But my by reaching the you know my the lowest point I'd ever been, out of that I you know you really have two choices, and you know I chose to to learn the lessons like I had in 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 sales in my professional career, figure out what you know it was that made me happy, what was it that I could have done you know can do differently in my relationships, and I forged down that path and eventually found someone who you know uh, we align I think better as as uh, husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we our our vision of what we want and, and business and all those things are very much in alignment. But I had to reach that low point to learn those lessons. And, you know, again, that happened in my sales career, that happened in my professional life. And coming back from that, you hopefully you you know learn. I mean, that's the biggest thing <laughs> is I remember the best advice the best advice I ever got was when you find yourself at the bottom of a hole, stop digging. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I believe that everything around me in life, everything that's happened to me in life, that I caused it to happen. And when I'm complaining, who, who am I complaining to or who, what am I complaining about? It's like standing in a mirror and saying, God, you're ugly. Boy, though, you got pimples. You know, uh, boy, you'd be a lot better looking if you just lose 100 pounds. 
all those kinds of things. And, and I used I used the analogy of stop digging a lot when I was a baseball coach because I had a kid once tell me, Coach, why are you always criticizing me about exactly the same thing? And I said, because that's my job. I'm going to continue to criticize what you're not doing until you correct it. So if you don't correct it, you're going to hear it again tomorrow. And if you come back to the next two days and you don't correct it, I'm going to point it out to you again. That's my job. So, you know, I, I, I thank you for sharing with us. It might have been a little painful, but I think that the readers will find your story valuable. The one thing I forgot to give you an opportunity to do when I asked you about your, uh, your website address, if you want to, not that I'd force you to do it, I just suggest it. You want people to get in touch with you. What's your phone number? Yeah, I take business calls all the time. Uh, it's out on my Facebook page. It's, uh, you can reach me out on the, uh, the website with it. Uh, my phone number is 253-204-8704. So that's 253-204-8704. And what city are you located in again? Uh, just outside of Seattle, Washington. Got it. That's right. We were talking about sunshine a little bit earlier, right? Yeah, or the lack of. Yeah, the, well, yeah, that's your definition. Yeah, <laughs> I got it completely. So uh, we're getting up close to being an hour. Do you have anything else that you want to say to the viewers? And remember that this is going to be available to every all close to 8 billion people on the planet. What would you like to say to 8 billion people on the planet? Yeah. One of the, the things that's kept me passionate about what I do is the impact that learning how to, to be good at my communication skills has had on the ripple effect across my life, you know? The reason I wasn't good at sales was because I was not effective at communication, right? Um, How'd you learn you know, how to communicate better? It's learning what not to do mostly, right? Um, <laughs> and then, you know, again, really coming up with a, a strategic plan on, you know, does this work and then trying it out until it, it worked. But once I figured out how to become a better communicator, that impacted all aspects of my life. Um, it made me better at my relationships. Uh, it's made me better as a parent. Uh, it's made me as better as a friend, as a business owner, uh, and certainly as a salesperson. And I think so many people look at, you know, sales sometimes has a, a bad perception. And I think a lot of people don't like sales or don't like salespeople. And there's lots of reasons that are justifiable in that. But if you can learn how to effectively communicate with other people, then you will be rewarded with all sorts of greatness in your life. And that's really what keeps me going is it's not teaching someone how to sell. sell right? I mean, that's good because that helps them professionally. But almost to the person, when I help them become better at, at sales, I start to see that ripple effect it has on, their, on the other aspects of their life. Right? They're happier in their relationships. They're happier as parents. You know, they have better friendships. They're, they're better employees. Uh, they're better students. They're better people. And I think if more of us invested into learning about how to become effective communicators and not be pushy salespeople, better communicators, we would not only enrich our own lives, but enrich the lives of those around us. Okay, great. Have you read a book called Sell or Be Sold? I have, the one on your shelf from uh, Mr. Cardone. Yeah, I, I recommend it to everybody because everything in life is a sales cycle. The commissions in life are getting a girlfriend, getting a wife, getting a boyfriend, getting a husband, getting having children, having a great life, making money so that you can uh, donate to your church or any charitable closet you think is pointing. So there's lots of kinds of commission. And my paraphrasing of what you just said is that everything in life is a sales cycle of some kind. You're trying to get people to do what 
influence people to in a particular course of direction is actually the correct definition there. But I appreciate you. Thank you very, very much for giving us this time. And in the last 60 seconds, if there's anything that you want to say, say it now or forever hold your peace. I just want to say thank you for, for allowing me the opportunity to, to interact and ha- have a conversation with you. It's been insightful to learn a little bit more about you. You know, I'm thankful for the, the opportunity. And, you know, it's, it's been um, interesting and, and, and fun, quite frankly, to listen to you share your process and thought process and, and you know, backstory and how much it aligns with, you know, some of the things that I've been trying to, to teach and to, to train for a number of years now. So uh, it's, you know, good to build this connection with you. Thank you, sir. So that is the end of today's podcast. And oh, by the way, Sean, anytime that you want somebody to come on to your podcast, just ask me. Uh, we'll figure it out. I'll make time for you. I'd love to do it. Absolutely. Um, so that's the end of today's version of the Winning Pitch podcast with Sean Channel. I said it correctly. I get you did. You got his phone number and uh, we'll be on Spotify and iTunes and uh, please check it out. And so, Sean, adios. Thank you much, Thomas. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? I'm invested in your business and personal success. And I hope you found this episode of the podcast insightful. If you or your business is ready to grow, check out my website, 10 Excellence. This is the way that you do that. Number 10, then X-L-E-N-Z dot com. Be sure to follow me and send questions on Facebook at Arrow and Marine Tax Professionals and on Twitter and YouTube at Thomas Alston. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on our next episode.